0: Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is August 20th, 2018, and this is episode 250. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. On this week's show, we'll go around the bases in what was an abbreviated week in Orioles baseball. And we'll see if we can spot the difference between bad and absurd. We'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus. What is on your lips? Gin and tonic. Hendrick's Gin. Yummy. Very nice. I am drinking a Firestone Walker Brewing Company Union Jack IPA. You ever had this? I have. It's excellent beer. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you're interested in seeing what we're drinking on a nightly basis as we watch the Orioles, please come join us. Uh, get social with us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E 4025 And I'm at MAGN8606. And with that... Let's go
1: ahead and dabble into the medical wing. Jake, this week's medical wing goes into the segment of bone on bone. And you know I like to talk about
0: bones. On bones? Yeah. Uh, Scotty, I have a serious question for you on the medical wing. But first, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is Mark Trumbo's knee. Yeah. Uh, I assume it's a real injury. It is. Okay. How serious do you think it's going to be? I think he's done for the season. I think so, too. And I really I think that he's done for the season because there's just no reason for him to come back period. Yeah, I think he's done for the season absolutely.
1: I think the bigger question is not so much Mark Trumbo and I think the bigger question is Dylan Bundy and whether or not Dylan Bundy needs to be shut down for the season. Uh we saw uh reduced velocity in his past start. Uh we know that he is potentially still dealing with uh some uh issues with his ankle, potentially with his groin, which has been an issue with him for the entire season. At what point do the Orioles just say, it's not worth it to push Dylan Bundy out there anymore, we're going to go with a bunch of relief pitchers in September, and uh, we're going to make do with 13 or 14 relief pitchers coming into the game.
0: Yeah, the other question is, if Dylan Bundy can't be relied upon for a full season, at which point do you just try to deal him rather than try to develop him into an ace with a or just a a usable pitcher? with the rebuild underway.
1: I hear what you're saying. I, I would come back and mention, you know, he has gone through a full season as of last year. Um I think, you know, if he got injured, there's just no point to basically push him through it and say, well, hopefully you can get better. Um it, It's time for the Orioles to start scrapping this. And unfortunately, this means that uh, we'll get to see more Jeffrey Ramirez, but um Again, it's not like Dylan Mundy has been great the second half of the season. Sure. And the worst you can do is hurt him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that I think that that's the biggest story. Is he hurt? And if so, what does that mean?
1: Right. So, Trumbo, done for the season, in my opinion. Dylan Mundy, be interesting to watch him one more time. Um, if he has reduced velocity again, I have to feel like he's going to be potentially done for the season as well. Absolutely.
0: All right. 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. That's right. Uh, Scott, I just want to say that I think that the Orioles rebuild promises. You know the the highfalutin talk we got from Dan Duquette. Frankly, it's full of baloney. This is a tweet that comes from uh, Eduardo Encina at Eddie in the Yard. The hashtag Orioles have signed 16 year old Dominican outfielder Isaac Baloney, B E L L O N Y, a switch hitter who is six foot one. And 180 pounds he profiles as a center fielder baloney received a signing bonus of more than 200,000 u.s american dollars which is more than any of the orioles international signings last period
1: did you uh check to see what his uh middle name was by the way is it also isaac is no. it isaac isaac baloney no it's actually o-s-c-a-r yes <laughs> has a second name i should have seen that coming it's m-a-y-e-r
0: that is absolutely my fault for not seeing that coming <laughs> Uh, so a 16-year-old Dominican outfielder, that means he's 35, yes? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week comes
1: from Sarah Langs at Slangs on Sports. Fewest games played to reach 50-plus games back in the divisional era. Uh, the 2018 Orioles, 122 games. 1979 Blue Jays, 141. 98 Marlins, 157. 1998 Devil Rays, 161. What's really interesting here is the Blue Jays being 141 back because at that point, it was just the East and the West. Um, but yeah the Orioles being in that you know infamous territory within the five game division um only um being behind the the Marlins um, by about 35 games yeah that just tells you how bad the Orioles are and also really how good the Red sox are right now too it's it's a cruel world that we live in Jake a cruel cruel world
0: it's a wicked game we play Scott yeah. this next tweet comes to us from the MLB pipeline at MLB pipeline. Uh, and this tweet just goes to show that he's not dead yet. This is a tweet that says as follows. Hashtag Orioles number four prospect Austin Hayes hit this two-run homer and went four for four last night with the at Bowie Bay Sox. In eight games since returning from the disabled list, Hayes has hit three sixty four with two homers, four doubles, 11 RBIs. I'm glad we called out Antonelli then. Yeah, you know, you and I have been talking about the fact that maybe uh, you know, Maybe Hayes is is regressed uh, super far back. But, you know, maybe it was an injury situation. Maybe we just need to be more patient. And maybe with a rebuild, we can afford to be a little more patient. Nah. Let's get some
1: perspective on the situation. And this next week comes from HRAK at Guardian underscore Hawk.
0: I'm sorry, what? HRAK. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go with that. How would you
1: pronounce that? I wouldn't. Okay. Uh, Manny Machado was traded by the Orioles a month ago and still has the most Orioles home runs by seven, and the most Orioles RBIs by 16. I don't know if this says more about how good he was the first half of the season or how abysmal the entire rest of the team has been. Look, when when you traded away Manny Machado and then you also traded away Jonathan Scope, uh, there was going to be a monumental precipitous drop-off in terms of offensive reduction. But you're absolutely right. It was a... Huge, um, there's a huge discrepancy between the talent level that was originally on this team at the beginning of the season and now what the talent level is at this point. So, Manny Machado, I miss you.
0: I miss you fiercely. Our last tweet comes from Rock Paco, who, of course, tweets at Mass and Rock. This is a quote. One Mass and Rock. Okay, good. I'm going to follow him just, later on. Just write that down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, this is a quote of Dan Duquette. It says, Duquette, colon. John Andrioli is a versatile and dependable outfielder who can play all three positions. He possesses above average base stealing, defensive, and on-base skills. Hashtag Orioles. This is a mad lib if I've ever seen one. It, it really is. Can we just break this down for a second? He's 28 years old. Yeah. He's 28. Do we or do we not have outfield depth in this system? Uh, we do. We we are in fact talking about the fact that we don't have room for Adam Jones in a rebuilding club because we have so much outfield depth that we have to try out. Right? That's correct. So why bring this cat in? He's twenty eight years old. He'll have grandkids by the time the Orioles are going to be good again.
1: Let me tell you why we're doing this. If we can fill
0: an entire team up with Craig Gentry like players, <laughs> we'll be unstoppable. Is this the secret weapon? This is the secret weapon. I just I just don't get this. I, I know that rosters expand in September, and we're so close. But at this point, just bring somebody up. You've already done the Mullins move. Rip the Band-Aid all the way off. Andrea Lee has no bearing in the future of this club. I, I don't get this move
1: whatsoever. I, it feels like a move that is being done for no reason.
0: Yeah, and like I'm not that upset about it because this season doesn't matter. So it's not like I'm beating them up just for Won't the sake of it. Well, somebody think up. about Joey Rickard? no i don't want to think about joey Rickard. someone look out for joey Rickard. what is he gonna think i don't know he's gonna be the new secret weapon at some point all right well
1: it's been well it's been another week in orioles baseball for an absolutely disastrous season Uh, let's go around the bases and try to make sense of it all and try to come up with at least some positives from this week All right, Jake, so the Orioles didn't do terrible this week, but but it certainly wasn't good
0: either. They played five games. They played five games. Since we podcasted last. And they won two of them. Yeah, so two of three. That's actually a pretty decent winning win record. That's a uh, great week for the 2018 Baltimore
1: Orioles. So let's go to first base, and uh, one of the reasons for that kind of success has been Cedric Mullins. Um, He's been posting some pretty impressive numbers. 389 average, 421 on base percentage. 4799 Woba, 209 Witter Runs Created Plus. Uh, You know, people are enamored by uh, Cedric Mullins to this point, and people are calling for him to be the uh, the top-of-the-order guy going forward for the Baltimore Orioles moving forward. He's finally that piece of speed that we needed for so many years that we haven't had, and this is who is going to help to reshape the Baltimore Orioles going forward. Jake. Why are we in Baltimore so quickly to thrust on to people saying this is going to be the next superstar? This is going to be the next player when in reality, and more likely, they're going to be the next Craig Gentry or Joey Rickard?
0: Well, I, I would argue that we only do that when the club is terrible. I don't even think that's the case. Be- I mean, who, who did we try to thrust that mantle upon during the good years? Joey Rickard. Okay, fair enough. Can you, liter- you stop saying Joey Rickard? Joey Rickard. I'm gonna make you put a, a dollar in the Joey Rickard jar every time you say his name. Jack Cuss was another one that we got really excited about, and then we we're yeah, like, during the terrible years. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: right. yeah. Uh, I Brian think-
1: Roberts was another one. Oh, stop! It.
0: Now you're just <laughs> now you're just trying to hurt me. Um, I I think that the the questions we need to ask about Cedric Mullins are this: Uh can he withstand? You know, can he sustain this? Because you look at Trey Mancini, who's having a terrible season, and you have to ask yourself, is this an aberration or, you know, has the, has the truth come for Trey Mancini, and right? Only time will tell. So, yeah, Mullins has a good couple of weeks. Can he keep it up? But I think more importantly, can he play defense in center field at the major league level consistently? Because if he can do that, then the hitting matters, right? If he can't do that, then the hitting doesn't matter as much. Okay, so I, I think the one thing that people have been
1: so impressed with so far is the speed, and I think people look at Cedric Mullins, and Cedric Mullins is forecaster right now as a sixty-speed player, um, and certainly the Orioles haven't had a sixty-speed player on their team since David Lowe. David Lowe might be a, what might have been a sixty-speed player, yeah, Felix P. A. Now, I don't think Felix Pio was a 60 speed player, but David Lowe may have been. But Felix, David Lowe was one of those situations where we talked about it and said he's got the speed, but his first step
0: on the base pass in the field was absolutely horrible. I haven't made that decision yet about Cedric Mullins. Well, there's a difference between being fast and being a base runner. Sure, right? I mean, look at uh, Alex Casilla. It's we like don't... the
1: difference between elves and dwarves in Tolkien. Oh, do tell, please, please no? continue. No, <laughs> you don't want to get in this conversation. No. All right, well, we'll save that for the off season.
0: But I, I do think that you know being fast is not good enough, right? He needs to have he needs to have baseball skills, not right. athletic skills,
1: right? So how do you determine that someone has baseball
0: skills? How how can you look at Cedric Mullins and say that's a guy that has baseball skills? Well, you need to wait and see whether or not you're writing uh, Toot plan over and over again on the Twitters, Jake. This is not the bird's eye view way. We do not wait for large sample sizes. Oh, you you want a determination?
1: I want a determination now with twenty plus at bats, and I want to know
0: exactly what the future holds for Cedric Mullins. All right. Baseless opinion. Yes. He's a baseball player. Okay. I don't think he's the savior, but I think he's a baseball
1: player. Okay. Uh Jake, I'm gonna go one step further. Uh, I see
0: Cedric Mullins as the next Jeffrey Hammonds. Okay. I will, I will go one further. Okay. I think the ceiling for Cedric Mullins is a Mike Devereux. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that.
1: Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and I think that falls right into where I've been talking about before Cedric Mullins is he's certainly not going to be a superstar player, and he's not going to have a 200-weighted runs created plus. More than likely, he's going to be at that 100, 110-weighted runs created plus. But I think the big question is, can he actually have an on-base percentage that is in that 340 to 350 range? Because if he has that along with his speed, it may be worthwhile. But I'm still going to hold to my Jeffrey Hammonds, where I think people are going to get really high on him, and then all of a sudden he's going to falter to a certain regard, and people are going to have an issue with him. Now, of course, Jeffrey Hammonds was a uh, number one, a first-round draft pick, number four. Cedric Mullins, 13th round, so pretty far down there. So you know, maybe he doesn't have that same connotation as Hammonds does The term sort of being a bust, as we like to call it in Baltimore.
0: No. No, we never like saying that. We
1: never like saying that. So, so far, Cedric Mullins, you're saying, too early to tell. We need to basically watch more tape. And that's what you're going to be doing for the rest of September is seeing whether Cedric Mullins can actually play center field or whether or not the Orioles need to think about who is going to be playing center field for the 2019 Orioles.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
1: All right, the other interesting thing that's been going on going into second base has been Alex Cobb's dominance over the second half. And and we talked about this last week in the good, the bad, and the ugly, but Alex Cobb delivered on that further, going a complete game on Saturday against the Cleveland Indians, giving up only two runs and pitched pretty masterfully, avoiding contact. Um, Only had a few strikeouts on the night, um, limited the amount of walks, but Jake... uh, it seems that Alex Cobb has finally found that split finger changeup, and uh, folks in baseball have been noticing this, including Eno Saris. Um, and it, it certainly is good things ahead if Alex Cobb actually does have control of three pitches as opposed to the two that he had earlier this season. Um, Jake, this you know sudden you know aspect of Cobb, you know getting back the split changeup. Big deal, so what, who cares? Or is this something that is of significance going forward for the Baltimore Orioles, not so much for this
0: season, but in years in the future? All right, I'm going to be careful here, because I feel like every time I hope, I am punished. So let me just say that I, I, I'm trying to temper my expectations. But the possibility of Alex Cobb figuring it the F out is huge for the Orioles, because he's got f- three more years with them. Right? He's gonna be here through what we hope is the majority of the rebuild. Right? He is going to be possibly one of the guys that is showing the next crop of starters what it is to be a major league player. And I want that guy to be successful, right? I want the Orioles to occasionally win games. So yeah, I think it's it's huge if Cobb can figure it out, get the thing, as Eno Saris calls it, back, and, and go back to being a productive. Uh, pitcher. You know, he'll never be a frontline starter, but he can certainly be an effective 2 or 3 in this league uh, as opposed to what we saw for the first half.
1: I like what I'm seeing, but I feel like I'm getting a bold omnist. I feel yeah, like Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I've watched five or six starts and I'm like, "All right, I like what I'm seeing, but I'm preparing myself to not be scarred in the process and I pulled up you know, Cobb's numbers, and he's absolutely done really well so far for the second half of the season. He's posted a 2.03 ERA, a 3.24 FIP, and a 3.99 XFIP. But here's where it concerns me. I, I look at his K rate at 5.63 Ks per nine, 2.03 walks per nine, 0.45 home runs per nine, and then a BABIP of 0.268. I feel like, I feel like Alice Cobb has been getting a lot of weak contact lately. And I don't know if it's sustainable. The fact that the strikeout rate isn't higher and he's just getting weak contact and potentially getting lucky scares me. And if that strikeout rate was higher, I'd be all over Alex Cobb right now. But the fact that it's so low makes me think that regression's right around the corner and it's not going to be pretty.
0: Here's the thing. We don't have Zach Britton in the bullpen anymore, so we can't be. We actually don't know that. Zach Britton could still be on that bullpen. Well, we'd have to check in with the Buckshow Walter. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, can we go can we go over to third base? We can go over to third base. Scotty, th- this is this has got your fingerprints all over it. There's an article in f- uh, well, a blog in FanGraphs that hey, hey, hey. Uh, that's an article, okay? <laughs> that asks if
1: the Athletic can be called a a, a reputable aspect going forward in terms of pulling in beat writers and stuff like that why can a a site not like fangraphs be called
0: an article excuse me i misspoke and i apologize i apologize to cheryl ring who wrote it this article in fangraphs now that was on bird's eye view it's definitely a blog (laughs) (laughs) it asks the seminal question would the orioles be better off with rafael palmero yes from an entertainment standpoint, yes. or a baseball standpoint, no, from a mustache point.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Listen, there's this whole thought
1: process of Cheryl talking to Dan Zembrowski, who's come on the show multiple times, and and he, we talk about if Rafael Palmeiro was signed to replace Chris Davis, could he actually be of more value than what Chris Davis currently is? And Rafael Palmeiro, at 53 years old, is posting a 291 average a 419 on base percentage a 523 slugging percentage six home runs in 27 games in the American Association now of course the regression on that would be uh, would be pretty high is the best way to describe it, to come in the major leagues but Darsh Garner and I want to see this happen I want to see Rafael Palmaro come back and play for the Baltimore Orioles for 10 games
0: and uh i want to see what happens and reset his uh retirement clock.
1: Yeah, there was someone that came and it was was a it Raines senior came back and played with Tim Reigns junior yes. and did a same similar thing. I want to see Rafael Palmero come back and reset the clock and i want to see him go out and basically have a better ten, 10 game streak than Chris Davis and just rub it in everyone's face. You know that it can't possibly be worse. It it, it can't be possibly worse. The only thing that doesn't make sense about this is, you know, they would have to find a 40-man spot for him. There's no point to getting him a 40-man spot, but man.
0: Are you kidding me? They just gave a spot to this new guy who's 28, an outfielder now, from Seattle who doesn't do, matter. Do I need to pull up that Dan Duquette quote again for you? <laughs> he does play all three positions. Uh, I, I
1: think that we're missing a key component here. Can you here. imagine what that that, that sounding would sound from Duquette? It'd be... Rafael Palmero is a versatile and dependable hitter who can play no positions. He possesses above average on base percentage and has a very hefty mustache. We look forward to welcoming him back from the Baltimore Orioles. Rafael
0: Palmero is an established veteran in this league who led the Orioles in some of their best times and Pursuing the playoffs. Um, we're really hoping that he can raise the expectations of the Baltimore Orioles going further. further. I, I think the thing that we're not realizing, though, yeah. is that this is the same franchise as the St. Louis Browns, right? Yes. The Bill Vick teams that would do anything to put butts in seats, you know, including hiring a small person to wear the number, what, what three-sevenths and take a walk for one at bat? Yeah. We're certainly no better at this point. Let's just do it. Let's embrace our own history. I
1: mean, if we're going to have a WWE Birdland ticket night, we might as well just embrace the full heel and have Rafael Palmero come out and basically wear an Orioles jersey once again.
0: Usually I have to poo-poo your WWE references, but I don't think you're wrong. It's time to walk with Raphael. Take us home,
1: Scotty. Take us home. All right. Coming into home plate. uh, Jake, I posted this on Twitter earlier this week. The Orioles sent out a survey to all season ticket members uh, trying to get input in terms of what they potentially would want and what they potentially would need in order to have them come back next year to support this team. Jake, what would it take for you to return as a season ticket holder
0: for 2019? I would need to still be breathing in 2019. I'm not the problem, right? I'm not the problem for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, I think that they have a very, very serious problem because there are a lot of season ticket holders that are about to walk out the door, right? Particularly I believe in the 13 game plan uh-huh. area, right? Because it's the most accessible to, uh, you know, it's the, it's the cheapest, right? And therefore it is the one that is on the edge of people that, are committed season ticket holders and not. You don't have casual baseball fans with a 29-game sure. ticket plan or an 81-game plan. It's the 13-game plan. So the question is, what can they do to make people want to buy tickets en masse? Is it have a smaller package? Is it have more perks? Is it do what the... A's did and get crazy and and give real perks. They've got to figure out something. And this isn't about millennials, and it's not about the changing demographics of the game. This is about the fact that their team is about to be awful. Their product is about to suck. And so, what can they do to market it? I don't know that I have the answer, Scotty. Right. I will say this: we've given the
1: Orioles crap before on this podcast, specifically for being late to the program and not basically making decisions um, early enough in the process. We've talked about them not offering a holiday package going into the season um, and saying, hey, we're going to offer a four-game plan going into Thanksgiving and Christmas to allow people to potentially buy tickets for family members going into the Christmas holiday season. And certainly, I know that if there was a four-game ticket package offered, I certainly know someone will buy that for me for Christmas because Absolutely. it's an easy gift. And it's just like, hey, I can buy that for $50, and Scott would definitely use that. Hopefully, this is a situation where we are not going to get everything we want, but hopefully this means that the Orioles are thinking about this and saying, what can we potentially do to bring fans back into the ballpark next year? We've certainly seen them get very creative during the 2018 season with giveaways and also with the kids cheer free. It'll be very interesting to see how they continue to entice season ticket holders who are their guaranteed money source. And uh, how they consider to keep them as that guaranteed money source and prevent them from going into some of these very generous areas, such as the kids cheer free and also these giveaways. I think there has to be something where the season ticket holders kind of are allowed access to the kids cheer free, which has been an issue for Mm us. Um, Specifically, I know you ran into the situation. where They're like, well, you need to pay the difference. And it's like this should not be an issue here. Like I'm a season ticket holder. I have paid X amount of money you should not be squabbling over $2 here. Just let's figure this out. Right. Like this is not a hard decision. So there needs to be this kind of directive of let's get as many of these season ticket holders in here as possible and give them all these additional perks, whether it be giveaways um, access to the kids cheer your free um, exclusive um, things to, you know, purchasing tickets to the giveaway events. If you want to do that, There has to be something in addition to this, because in the past, when 2012 hit and the 13-game plans boomed up, it was, I have a chance for playoff tickets, and I have a chance for opening day tickets. That's enough to sell me on it. Now, it's a situation of, I don't have playoff tickets, and if I really want opening day tickets, I more likely can go get a ticket package and not have to worry about buying season tickets for the entire season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think they're in a tough spot. I'm I'm not... You know, I don't want to excuse the Orioles because they have work to do. They have to act like an organization that's in the entertainment industry who knows what they're about. But how do you solve a problem like apathy? That's the question that they have to answer. And it's apathy that's well earned, but it's apathy nonetheless, right? That's the problem. Sure. People, people are disinterested in the ball club. And you need to not only make them interested to show up every once in a while, you need to make them interested enough to make it part of their summer. Sure, and I, I think that comes back
1: down to the question of what entices individuals to come to the ball game. For you and me, it's a more simple situation because we have kids, we have boys, we have girls. They're in that prime area, and it's a good opportunity for us to spend time as a family to go and do that. But what's it going to take for the individuals that are in their twenties to come to the ballpark and just sit there? as opposed to going into Fells or going into Canton and saying, I want to come to the baseball park as opposed to going into Fells and Canton. What's it going to take to get the 40 to 50 year old suburbs to come into the city once again and say, I'm willing to spend my money in order to get in there. I don't know what's what it's going to take. I think it's a combination of entertainment, uh, cheap beer. And I do think there needs to be some kind of thought process given into Is there any way to work with Maryland Transit to potentially get people in from the suburbs? That used to be a very popular program back in the day where you could park at White Marsh and you would take a bus, go directly into Camden Yards. Or or the Camden Line train. Or the Camden Line train. Those programs no longer exist. And part of that is probably due to the Orioles. Part of that is also probably due to the state of Maryland. There needs to be this creative outlet of saying, how can we get more people to come into the stadium on a more frequent basis? I don't have an answer to it. It's not going to be a simple one, and I don't think it's going to be solved in one year. But it's also a situation of they need to try
0: to keep doing innovative things, just like they did for twenty eighteen, until they click. Let me ask you this: Do you think that the do you think that the fan survey, the season ticket holder survey, is lip service, or do you think the team is actively listening to its most loyal customers?
1: I think they are listening, but I think it's more of their idea gathering, they're brainstorming at this point. And I, I don't think they're doing anything saying, we're absolutely going to do the ideas that you're offering us. But I think they're going to put everything together into one giant pot. And they're going to say, realistically, what can we do here that hits the majority of these, you know, comments that we can potentially build buzz around? Um, I think they can also take a lot of things from the Ravens and some of the stuff that the Ravens have done both for, you know, M&T bank and, um have been wildly successful and some of them have been more meh. Like that's that's interesting. Um I certainly don't think that um the Ravens change that they made saying we're gonna reduce prices of beer and food going before the game has been talked about much. It'll be interesting to see how successful that is. But I do think the Orioles need to strongly consider how are they going to get Oriel Park to once again be that entertainment hub. That Memorial Stadium-like atmosphere where even when the team
0: is bad, you're able to go there and be around a bunch of your friends. Sure. Well, I mean, I think first of all, I hope that you're right. I hope that the team is listening because even if it's, even if it's, you know, let's see what the fans have to say, that's worth doing. Uh, but I think that last point that you just made is interesting because you're right. They need to make Camden Yards a destination, but they also need to not compete against the Ravens and the other MLB clubs. They need to compete for entertainment dollars, right? You need to make Camden Yards, when the team is terrible and not going to win, a better time than going to the movies or going to a bar or going to whatever it is that you could be doing in the city or in the suburbs, right? You need to make it so that going to an Oreo game matters. You and I talked off mic a couple weeks ago about the fact that I think that each local university should have a designated uh, account rep who goes to those universities and says, how can I get 30, 50, 100 students in the park this week, this night, whatever right because that you know towson university university of baltimore whatever it is that is a huge uh outlet of of you know potential fans that not only are close but also are loose with entertainment dollars and may turn into lifelong fans sure sure well this is a really positive around the basis it's
1: really not and uh you know It it almost makes me look at the situation and say, "I can't believe this is the reality that we face right now."
0: If if we weren't such good fans, we might say, "This is not my team." I'll be honest. As the 2018 season has gone on, there have been times when I have been, let's say, less attentive than I might otherwise have been. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a Fairweather fan, but when the team is this historically bad, and when losses pile up quickly as they have this year, you don't need to stay as engaged. The Orioles are simply not worth watching as closely when they eliminate themselves from playoff contention in August. So, There are weeks when I think to myself, did I watch any games all the way through this week? Or did I watch any games this week? Or simply, can I remember any wins from this week? Or maybe, can I remember any happiness that I derived from watching Orioles baseball this week? Very often, the answer to that question is no. So it would not surprise me if there were not large segments of the Birdland population that are a little, let's say, checked out from time to time. It made me wonder if, with the constant embarrassments that this team has piled on, would a checked-out fan be able to tell the difference between real-life embarrassments and completely fabricated hyperbole? So to figure this out, we're going to steal a bit from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and we're going to be playing a game called, instead of Not My Job, not my team. Now, in this bit, in this game, they have somebody, they bring somebody on, they read three news stories, two are fake, one is real, and the contestant has to figure out what it is. We could have gotten a checked out uh, fan to, to compete on this, but let's face it, anybody that we can reach uh, through social media, through the podcast, through our email, whatever, is already too engaged. So what we're going to do, dear listeners, we're going to have you play this game with us. See if you can spot the difference, so to speak, between the real life embarrassment and the fake embarrassment. And at the end, we'll have a challenge for you. You know, if we we're really smart, we got Peter Sagal on this. <laughs> That's true. He's just waiting to talk to us, or Paula Poundstone. <laughs> All right, Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for uh, story number one. All right, story number one is as follows. Manager Buck Shawalter has been fielding a team rife with faults. Now he's come to resolving one weakness with another realizing that Chris Davis is a black hole of baseball productivity and will not be missed either in the field or in the lineup, he has been replacing Davis in late games with Joey Rickard. Rickard takes over in left, where he can play competently, allowing infielder Trey Mancini to stop embarrassing himself out there, and said Buck Showalter, in the late innings, there's really no difference between having Chris Davis or Joey Rickard in the middle of the lineup. You might as well catch a few more out there. Story two is... Mark Trumbo, who was placed on the disabled
1: list earlier today, claimed that though his knee did not hurt, his mobility was the factor that was most significant, and he felt that his inability to get around the bases was costing his teammates RBI opportunities. The struggling sh- slugger managed all this with a straight face, not even acknowledging the fact that his OBP over the past two weeks has dipped to a paltry 297. Trumbo gives way to uh, John Androlli, Andrioli, who has been judged by at least one other major league club not to be worthy
0: of a spot in the majors. Story number three. With their 8 to nothing defeat at the hands of the Cleveland Indians, the Orioles have broken their single-season record for most shutout losses, with another month left to play in the season. In a season in which they have fallen 50 games below 500, more than 50 games out of first place, and have been mathematically eliminated faster than any club in history, it's no wonder that the O's have set a few high marks in areas of futility. And so there you have it, dear listener. Pick out the false story. Beyond that, I have a challenge for you, and it's this. Please tweet at us, at BirdseyeViewBAL, your best story, fake or real, couched in terms in which it would be difficult to tell. Tweet at us with the hashtag, hashtag notmyteam. I have no clue which one's the false narrative, by the way. Nice. (laughs) All right. And with that, it's probably time to go and see who's been good, who's been bad, and who has been ugly.
1: that's right folks it's time for the good the bad and the ugly uh, i'll start it off this week i'm gonna go back to alex cobb who pitched that complete game um again he's been really good for the second half of the season uh the fact that we got a complete game in the second half of the Orioles' season um or or in the 2018 season just just flabbergasts me so alex cobb gets my good for the week um I, I didn't think i would see a complete game there's there's no chance in the world i thought we would see a complete game jake who's your good for the week
0: my good for the week is Cedric Mullins, who has posted a 207 Weighted Runs created Plus in the last week and hit his first Major League home run. Scotty, Cedric Mullins is showing that his bat may belong here. Again, it all depends on whether he can keep it here, but for the past week, he was good.
1: Jake, my bat's going to go to Trey Mancini. I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, you talked about earlier in the podcast about how he's uh, kind of regressed uh, similar this week. In 21 plate appearances, he had a 250 average, 286 on base percentage, 242 Woba, good for a 47 weighty runs created. Plus. Trey Mancini, not really feeling it, not playing really good. Um, did have a nice catch in left field, though. Um, but yeah, Trey Mancini needs to find his place. Um, for a person that um, Orioles fans thought um, might be a contributing factor going forward for this team, Trey Mancini certainly is not that. Foundation piece that some people in Berlin wanted to claim him to be.
0: Well, you know, you listen to Buck Showalter long enough and he'll tell you that uh, Trey's want to is getting in the way of his ability to produce. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Uh, my bad this week is Tanner Scott. Look, another bad adding on Wednesday against the Mets, giving up three runs while facing a total of four batters. Tanner Scott I believe wasting an opportunity to really shine in the Orioles' bullpen. In what is a lost season, there is no reason for him to feel pressure, right? So what I feel is that Tanner Scott is who we think he is, right? Every opportunity that he's given with these low stakes, it might as well be the minors, right? This isn't an audition. This isn't him feeling that the game is is too fast for him. You know what? You have a bad outing, so what? The only problem is that he's had too many so-whats. Tanner Scott continuing to build a case that maybe he's not what we thought he was. He's my bad for this week.
1: And my ugly is going to go to Dylan Bundy, who continues to pitch abysmal. Uh, In the past week, he posted a 11.81 ERA, good for only five and a third innings pitched. Strikeout rate's still there, but uh, again, he's getting whacked. He's not confusing anybody. He's leaving too many balls across the plate. Dylan Bundy, this may be the end of it for the season. We'll see what he does in Toronto come tomorrow evening, but this may be Dylan Bundy's last start for the 2018 season.
0: You make me sad, Scott. Yeah. You know what else is sad? What's that? I want to talk about a player who seems to be burying himself in the depth chart behind the likes of Jace Peterson. So he's bending himself to others' whims? And Renato Nunez. (laughs) And Jonathan Vr. And Ryan Flaherty? (laughs) Ryan Flaherty. We didn't talk about that. Uh, Yeah. I'm talking, of course, about Tim Beckham, who this week posted a 35-weighted runs created plus a 133 average with a 25% strikeout rate. Look, again, talking about opportunities, Tim Beckham is a player that I believe belongs at the major league level, right? Whether he's a starter or he's a part-time player. The problem is, as a part-time player, he's not getting it done to show that he's a starter right he is falling behind some not great players in that depth chart he's another guy that i think for his own career needs to take it by the reins and produce tim beckham's done i i'm beginning to agree with no, you tim Buck- beckham is done
1: there is no chance that tim beckham salvages um this career with the Baltimore Orioles going into arbitration this this offseason
0: we we have seen one clear advantage. Okay. He is I think the only player that doesn't have a super lame players weekend nickname. That that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but yeah, Tim Beckham is completely done. I'm actually
1: as bad as it is with like the Renato Nunez's and the Jace Petersons, um, I, I can't imagine that Tim Beckham makes it after this season through arbitration and remains on forty man roster. I do think that the Orioles cut bait and say it's nice knowing you, but we're going to go with a cheaper option no matter how poor it may be. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to cost $4 million maybe for Tim Beckham? No thanks. No thanks. Not so, no way.
0: Hey, before we blow the save. Sure. Bonus topic. Okay. Couldn't find a tweet about it. Otherwise, I would have put it on this week in the Twitters. Uh, I didn't want to put it in the Around the Bases, but I do want to ask you this. Rumors uh, were, were coming out this week about the possibility of Mark DeRosa— Uh, a former player and an MLB uh, network personality interviewing for the Orioles managerial job as he's already interviewed and, and not been selected for the Mets job. Um, do you think that that has any legs or do you think it's the situation where it's a, a guy trying to get back into the game as a, as a coach or as a manager uh, and a team that is listless and without directions and people drawing their own conclusions?
1: I think that's people drawing their own conclusions. I don't see Mark DeRosa at all in this organization at this time.
0: All right. I, I'm willing to accept that answer. I, I do think, though, that we need to kind of steal our hearts away knowing that we're going to be the natural – assumption for stuff like this right oh the orioles are awful the orioles need to try something new the orioles need to try something bold so here's a guy who was once a thing so let's see also if you follow that story down the down the rabbit hole uh john hayman wrote something i believe in wherever it is that he's writing these days oh like adam jones being traded yeah, yeah okay uh about a possible candidate for orioles manager one brian roberts gag gag me with a spoon (laughs) look it'll never happen but if it does you know that sound you'll be hearing is my heart singing you know if we come
1: back to bird's eye view of the past which we should um we specifically talked about brian roberts and when he came back and how he basically was hip to hip with buck showalter when he came back with the baltimore it's a good thing he
0: did not break that hip
1: that's true But he was hip to hip with Buck Showalter and was talking to Buck throughout the whole game and was basically, you know, want to be part of the whole process. And we said at that time, maybe Brian is kind of gearing up for potentially taking on a manager's role in the future. That being said, I can't imagine Brian Roberts taking a manager's role on at this time, maybe in the future, but at this time I can't see it.
0: Oh, Scotty, I can absolutely see it in Aberdeen. Yes. Yes. In in
1: a in a minor league facility, yes, but I don't think Brian Roberts is going to bring Diana to Aberdeen.
0: Okay. I, I'm sorry. I I've broken I've broken the rules. I've I've asked for a bonus topic. Can I ask for another bonus topic? You may. All right. You just brought it up. Ryan Flaherty. Yeah. Ryan Flaherty has been DFA'd yeah. by the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Tim Beckham, as you just indicated, is done. Yep. Come on. That's an easy one for the Baltimore Orioles, right? No. Why would you do this? Because because they're awful? Because nothing matters? Because if you're going to find a way to put butts in the seats, it might as well be Flash? There's nobody that is going to come to the stadium
1: specifically to see Ryan Flaherty. Charlie Hoppus. Charlie Hoppus actually would come to the stadium to see Ryan Flaherty. If it could bring back the spastics, it may be worth it. Your point
0: is invalid because of Charlie Hoppus. <laughs> I just blew myself.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, with I'm, that. I'm done. <laughs> with me just blowing myself i guess it's time to blow the save all right jake we've talked about it this whole time in terms of how awful this season has been but jake have you ever heard the band kanye twitty i'm sorry did you just say
0: Kanye Twitty. I I did just say Kanye Twitty. I've I've never heard of the band. I I hate to do this. Uh I've never heard of the band, but I kind of like the wordplay. Really? I'm going to give him credit for the wordplay. Really? Yes. Yes.
1: This is is me judging you. Well... Please do. uh, Kanye Twitty apparently was playing in the local area, and uh, lo and behold, uh, a Orioles celebrity decided to pop up on stage and sing a few few verses with them
0: an orioles celebrity this is exciting yeah
1: so rick dempsey decided to get up and sing with Kanye twitty and then proceed to pelvic thrust a little bit up on stage and jake we talked about this earlier it's actually not that bad
0: i got to be honest. It should be a lot worse. Listening to to Rick Dempsey on mic is not one of my favorite things when he talks about the Orioles. Just because it's cringeworthy. But when you say Rick Dempsey got on stage with a band called Kanye Twitty and sang, I'm I'm expecting a train wreck. And that's not what we
1: got here. This should be much more of a train wreck than it actually is. I'm
0: going to say... I think Rick Dempsey acquitted himself nicely.
1: Yeah. I will say, you're not looking at the video over here. So the, the outfit is not so great. But seeing a bunch of like 20 and 30-year-old girls bounce around to Rick Dempsey, pelvic thrusting at them. uh, I don't know. Berlin is a very weird place now.
0: I will say that the, 28th, <laughs> the 2018 season... Hurt So Good by Rick Dempsey and Kanye (laughs) Twitty is probably appropriate. You know, that
1: may be the Birdland song at the end of the year to say the thank you to the fans, like, hurt so good. Wow. Wow.
0: And that? (laughs) That's our show. (laughs) That's our show. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Baltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it
1: is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to
0: rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback. and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Also, scott at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com for all of your Rick Dempsey Videos. Uh, you can find us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and on Snapchat. But the very best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore.
1: Be safe out there. And it hurts so good. Come on, baby. It hurts so good.
0: That is such a good find, Scotty. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. How so many games did you watch this week? The only game I watched was the 8 to nothing blowout, and I joined the game in the fourth inning. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate that.
1: Seriously, if you're not watching baseball right now, check out the Cedric Mullins. It's, it's pretty impressive, actually. Um, I'll be interested to see if that defense continues to uh, become better and better.
0: And Rick and the Kanye Twitties. Also, with watch, yes, absolutely. You're still here? It's over. Go home. No.